Welcome to Modern Career. I'm your host, Mary Humiston. You may be thinking about changing, advancing, or even reinventing your career. We want to help you do that and live your full potential. In each episode, I cover work and career topics, leveraging my 30 plus years of global HR leadership and through interviews with other career experts and professionals from around the world. Subscribe today and visit modern-career.com for blog posts, career stories, career coaching and workshops, and more. Let's jump into our next episode. Welcome to the next episode in our CHRO Perspective Series. Today, our guest is Lisa Mulrooney-Gross. Lisa is the Chief Human Resource Officer for Fitbit at Google, where she leads the people strategy for one of the coolest digital healthcare companies in the world, Fitbit, recently acquired by Google. Lisa has been an HR leader for Bayer, Applied Materials, Tyco, and has also been an entrepreneur. She started her career at GE on the esteemed Human Resource Leadership Program. She earned her bachelor's in psychology from the University of California at Los Angeles and her master's in organizational psychology at Columbia University. She is a board member for Girls Inc., is an avid outdoor adventurer, and lives in California with her family. Welcome, Lisa, and thank you so much for joining and for sharing your insider perspective. Thank you so much, Mary. I'm delighted to be here with you today. It's great to see you. You have an amazing background, both as a leader within HR and as an entrepreneur. And there's clearly a lot going on with the recent acquisition of Fitbit by Google. How's it going? (laughs) You're right about that. It is exciting times for us, for sure. There's so much to learn and grow as you're entering into a new ecosystem like that. So my team and I are having a great time. Did you always have some kind of career plan, would you say, even loosely? Any thoughts on how you personally navigated since you did so many different kinds of things in your career? Actually, early on, I decided that I wanted to be a head of HR someday. I always knew I had that in my sights. And I think the reason for that was I really wanted to be in a position where I could set the strategy and really affect the culture and influence the leadership team. And I knew that that was the position I need to hold in order to do that. When you say early, like how early? In undergrad or grad or once you started working? grad school, I would say. That's amazing. I don't think I realized anything like that too much later in my career. Well, it was in grad school when I started to study great leadership. And that's when I decided that I wanted to become a great leader. And so as I learned more about the HR field and the influence the SCHR could have, that's when it all started to come together for me. So Lisa, you've clearly had the opportunity to work with so many leaders at all levels across the globe. What are some of those essential characteristics or practices that make someone a great leader? Well, Mary, there are a number of things that come to mind with this. And you and I have both been students of leadership throughout our careers. I think one of the most important things is to just recognize that great leadership has changed over this time. Great leaders nowadays are the ones who are empathetic, inclusive, vulnerable, and lead with humanity and humility. It's really being a great listener that has become super important to leaders these days and to be able to ask for and provide feedback. I think 
if someone grew up in the days of command and control, we both did, and that was the leadership style of the time, and it made sense, and it wasn't wrong. But in a digital world, it's different. And I think it's hard for leaders to shift if they were rewarded for that other style. And there are times, like in a crisis, that's a good style to have for that context. But it is fundamentally, as you say, different today and different kinds of behaviors really make a bigger difference. That's for sure. And I think with the introduction of the millennials and Gen Zs coming into the workforce, they just have different expectations of their leaders. They really want to be seen and have their opinions heard and valued. They don't want to wait around for decades to be noticed. So great leaders, I think, can notice that and respond to it and involve people from different backgrounds and generations and experiences and promote that kind of healthy debate and make sure everyone can be seen and heard. Exactly. And we both benefited from some great leadership development formally and informally along the way. Do you think development is keeping up? I know one has to reach for it too, but broadly speaking, do you think their leaders are getting as much growth and development today as used to be? Maybe. I'm curious what you think. Well, I guess it varies. It probably depends on where you sit and what opportunities are available to you. But I would say whether it's formal or informal, opportunities for development abound. And it's really, it may be up to you to have to go seek those out as a leader to find where to get your development. But there's tons of opportunities there for sure. And I love how you talked about a leader also being quite vulnerable. So you have to be really open to hearing feedback and shifting and pivoting as needed. Absolutely. Yes. I think that vulnerability is key. And I think great leaders understand that employees are their greatest asset. So I think if they notice that and they care for their employees, then they'll be in a position where they can reduce turnover and create opportunities for employees to move within the company to find growth opportunities, change jobs and careers, And those are the leaders that will find themselves with competitive talent advantage. Exactly. Lisa, what's a perspective that you have on how navigating one's career is different today and also as we look ahead with a changing world of work that seems to be constantly changing? What do you think is important? What's a perspective on how to best navigate? Mary, successful career growth stems from breadth of experience. I think people who rush up a career ladder in a hurry to get themselves to the top rung, really, those are the ones that may find themselves plateaued and stuck in one area. But for people who can take time to move laterally, those are the ones who can propel themselves much farther in the long run. Do you think you mentioned millennials from what you're seeing today? Are they rushing as much as our generation rushed? (laughs) (laughs) or wanted to rush? (laughs) I think there are many similarities. I think it's natural. People want to come in and they look for opportunities to advance and grow and look to be promoted. I think that's just part of what comes with joining the workforce. And I think millennials aren't exempt from that. But when I think back on my own experience and how I navigated this, developing this breadth of experience, Early career, I made it a point to alternate between specialist and generalist HR roles. So I had these specialist roles in recruiting, compensation, training, and such. That was all interspersed with 
the strategic HR business partner roles in different areas of the business. So this breadth of experience helped prepare me for greater scope and responsibility over time. Absolutely. And then, of course, the big dose of operational experience as well to round it out. And I think you learn a lot. As you said, you learn where you might want to major and where you want to minor. But getting that breadth is really important. Right. And I think another important piece is going for stretch assignments and pushing yourself, getting out of your comfort zone. Because I think the people who do that are the ones that get the growth and the visibility. An example of stretch for me when I was early career, I was just coming off G's HR rotational program and I applied for a position to be the head of HR for two manufacturing plants, over a thousand employees, both union and non-union. And I had no manufacturing experience. I had no labor relations experience. So this was such an enormous stretch and challenge and growth experience for me. But I learned more in that role than probably in any other because I had to find out how to be resourceful and a quick learner and a great listener and how to connect with people and work with them to resolve their issues. And most importantly, I think one of the things I learned there was when to be self-reliant and when I needed to ask for help. When is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well... Certainly, there were times when I felt like I was over my head, when there was some early talk of threat of having a union organizing activity going on. I thought, okay, I'm going to bring in some support on this one. I'm not going to try to fly it alone. And I'm glad I did. So Lisa, the benefits are huge. But what do you think that was about you that said, I'm going to go do this, even though I don't really have all the boxes ticked or all the background one could possibly have? Like, Confidence is such a challenge today across the board. I'd love to know what was that about you or your ability to sort of say, I'm going to do something that's quite a stretch? Well, I think it was maybe a bit of naivete at the time where I just felt like, go for it. Just go for it and see what happens and what's the worst that can happen. And I think there was a little bit of courage and risk taking, but I think it was helpful to see it around me. There were other people role modeling that around me everywhere. You saw it too, those early days at GE when we were on that training program, people would come off the training program without a ton of experience and they would launch themselves and have great success. So I think getting to see others succeed before me was really a beneficial experience to have. And then as you say, you learn that you survive, it's okay. You learn, you grow, and you want to do it even more again. Absolutely. And for me, I knew I didn't expect that I was going to fall in love with labor relations and want to stay in the manufacturing environment. So it wasn't about picking the perfect role. It was about finding the place that I knew the least about and jumping into that because I knew that was where the growth would be. So Lisa, you've been already sharing on this front, but I'd love to know, are there other stories that you might share that highlight where you've navigated your career really successfully and maybe something that's also gotten in the way and how you've handled that? I do have a bit of a unique career story in how I navigated what I call my career swerve. Because as you know, I was on this fast track HR career and doing well and taking media assignments and growing and advancing. But after 10 years in the workforce, I was trying to navigate a big career with also having a young family. And that's where I knew I needed to make a change. So it turns out for me that this break from corporate life to focus on family was a gift of time that I wouldn't trade for anything. 
And it also afforded me the chance to become an entrepreneur running my own internet marketing company, which was such a great learning experience. And I had a blast doing this and learned a ton about myself. But one thing that I came to learn was that I miss corporate HR and I wanted to get back into that field. And this decision connects me for me to my why and why I do what I do. And I was missing that connection to purpose. I really love that. Thank you for sharing that because you call it a swerve. There's so many words there because your values changed at that time. Maybe you wanted more balance and focus on multiple fronts than just career. And yet so many things then showed up and opened up for you. And it was just different, but equally really powerful, it sounds like. Yes, absolutely. And while the internet marketing company was fun and I was having fun trying something different, I was missing really that connection to why I got into HR in the first place. Because when I was growing up, hearing stories from my grandmother, who was so active in the early formation of labor movements at a time when employers would try to maximize profits at the expense of workers and not offering sick time and safety protocols and things. I wanted to ensure that companies could be both profitable and great places to work. So that's where I wanted to focus my energy. So to come back to your original question about navigating a career successfully, the most important thing I think is to have passion for what you do and know why you do it and stay connected to your purpose and doing the highest impact work you can. And what gets in the way is allowing yourself to get stuck in something that doesn't fuel you. Absolutely. That's sort of the beginning of a burnout if you don't have the fuel. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not engaged and fully energized in what you're doing, it'll definitely show up in your work too. So if you have the chance to figure out what you love, do fulfilling work, this will enable you to find much greater success. This swerve you took, is it easier for women or men parents to swerve today, do you think, than it was then? I wish I could say yes. I guess I'm not sure that it was so easy back then either, really. It was hard to come back. So I don't mean to make it sound like it was a simple and easy thing to do. When I took that break, I wasn't great about keeping up with my network and my HR knowledge. So I had a lot of work to do to rebuild that and get that confidence back. And having things like the professional HR certification certainly helped because that allowed me to catch myself up with some speed. But I think for people who take time off, I think it's, I think the networking and having that solid foundation where you've had time to prove yourself and really build your brand before you take a break and take a swerve in one way or another, I think that will serve you well to enable you to rekindle those connections and hopefully leverage that to rebuild when you are ready to come back. Totally agree. Your point is networking is sort of that ongoing, continuous job skill that you need because if you think I'm just going to pick it up when I need it, it's a whole different ballgame. Absolutely. So true. In your experience, what's a career topic or area that you see employees seek out advice on the most? Well, you mentioned burnout earlier, Mary, and I think that's really, when you think about the past year and this unprecedented, crazy time that we've encountered in our lifetime, that 
it's just taken such a severe toll on workers. And so far, the biggest topics in the past year have been both burnout and mental well-being. At all levels, there are lots of research now and articles about how senior level folks are quite struggling as well. Yes, absolutely, Mary. It hits everyone. I think working mothers have been hit very hard, harder than working fathers. They say it's close to 10 million working mothers who are suffering from burnout and more than 2 million women left the workforce in this past year. So not to mention how disproportionately affected underrepresented minorities have been in being hit by COVID-19 and just even broadly across the workforce, employees are burning out. They're Zoom fried and the challenges of family care, self-care are tremendous. And it's really a burden on our workforce that we have not found a way to solve for yet. And do you find given your environment within a company that is in healthcare and focuses on this, any tips, any insights, anything you've learned given the kind of environment you're in? I have to say, I've spent more time in the past year advising leaders and managers on this topic on how to just remember to lead with humanity and empathy more than they've ever had to do before to help employees through that. But honestly, Mary, I think our lowest scoring engagement question, and I know many other companies have the same, is the ability to switch off. Employees are still really struggling with this because some are just isolated. They have nowhere else to go. Maybe the work isn't even that demanding, but with the lockdowns, they just keep working because they have nothing else to do. So we have as a company, and I know many other companies are doing the same, we have really stepped it up in terms of what we're offering for stress management and resiliency training, mental and physical wellness support resources. So it has been a big focus for us this year at Fitbit, both for our workforce and also in the premium offerings that we offer to help everyone stay healthy but it's still, there's such a long way for us to go. It's still such a challenge. And right before we started, you mentioned you just got back from a run and it's in the middle of the day. Is that also culturally, you can take care of yourself throughout the day? It isn't like I have to take care of it at night or on the weekend. Absolutely. I think it's so important that I'm glad you asked that because I think as leaders, we get to set the tone. I think when we're taking a midday run or we're eating healthy and taking care of ourselves and doing that in a visible way to our employees in role modeling it, then it gives employees permission to do the same. They're looking to see, do I have to work through lunch and keep having meetings nonstop all day or can I take breaks? And so when we end meetings early or we create no meeting days or no meeting afternoons, then employees are seeing that we mean it. We want you to take care of yourself. And I think that goes a long way in setting the tone. Totally agree. Lisa, what's a little bit of insider knowledge that you think most people may not know, but it's a very important bit of information or knowledge to know about to reach one's goals? This is such a great question, Mary, because I think the area that really isn't talked about enough is knowing how important your personal brand is. Whether you realize it or not, you already have a personal brand. Everybody does. And everything you do can either strengthen or weaken that brand. 
what I mean by that is that your brand is the way you're perceived by others. So it's a way of establishing and consistently reinforcing who you are, what you stand for in your career and in your life. Lisa, how could somebody work on their own personal brand from your view? Or how have you worked on your own brand? I think it's important that it be aspirational, first of all, so that you can really think about where you want it to take you and how it might help you differentiate yourself from others, both in your in-person branding and your virtual branding. So if for myself, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it both like within the LinkedIn world for virtual and then sort of how I show up in social media, but also in my relationships. So I think for people who are trying to understand what their brand is, they can start by asking their manager or mentors or people they work with that they trust what they consider their brand to be. And if they find that the answer is something that doesn't meet their aspiration and that's not what they wanted to hear, then they can look for opportunities to strengthen and cultivate and promote that professional brand. I think the main takeaway here is that if you don't define your personal brand, others will do it for you and you may not like what they come up with. And I'm sure there's plenty of workshops and articles on personal branding that people who are interested in kind of workshopping it for themselves can use as guides to help in the exploration of this. What might be an important reflection or question that you've had to ask yourself on your career journey? An area where I spent a good deal of time and reflection over my career, Mary, is understanding my personal values and how they connect to my work. For me, as an example, my number one value is and has always been integrity. And this came, I think, from early GE days when it was so ingrained into the culture there. I spent my whole career thinking about this and trying to infuse integrity into the cultures of every company where I've worked. And it's another reason why I love being the head of HR, because I have the opportunity to shape the culture and ensure that the values and behaviors are rewarded across the company and that integrity is prominent across everything that we do, all the work processes. And Lisa, what's something you have taken advantage of or that's really helped you throughout your career experience to date? The thing that I've taken advantage of really is my education. My parents always said growing up that education is the one thing that no one can ever take from you. You'll never regret what you invest in your education. And this has stuck with me my whole life through the formal education, but also through things that I've done on my own for my own professional and personal development. And I've had a longstanding practice of setting aside career time for this every week and also investing in coaching for myself, oftentimes with my own money to support my growth in specific development areas. And I think to me, that translates into what I call a learner. And I think you're very much a learner and that's a core value and so important today because the world keeps changing and we have to keep adapting and learning and growing. Absolutely, Mary. I think being a lifelong learner has served me so well in my career And I know will for others as well who focus on this. And I have so much gratitude for all the mentors and coaches I've had in my career over the years, including you, Mary. I think that's where I've had the opportunity to learn so much from others who have done these roles before me and opportunity to 
ask questions, learn from them, and infuse their experiences into my own challenges and benefit from that. I think that's fantastic. And I, someone who's had many, what I'd call reverse mentoring relationships in my whole career at all levels. And what's brilliant is we learn from everyone. So it should always be a two-way street, and it is. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What's a piece of career advice, Lisa, that has stayed with you throughout your career and something you might share with us? Well, there's really two things for me, Mary, here. It's interesting. Both of them come back to early days of my career, back to Jack Welsh when I was first out of grad school and on that training program when Jack's advice were that to be an effective HR leader, you really needed to be a business leader and be able to understand and think like a business leader, have a seat at the table where business decisions are made. This really shaped how I prepared myself for advancement in HR to first learn and understand the business, then become a strong and credible influencer, always have an informed point of view backed up with data, benchmarking, and carry myself with gravitas and strong executive presence. So that push from Jack, I think at that time was HR were more a support function at that time. And he let us know that we weren't going to be respected and valued and have that seat at the table unless we changed our perspective in the way we approached the work. So you were there at that time as well, Mary. Just, did this stick with you as well through your career like it did with me? Absolutely. And this is 30 years ago. So that was very forward thinking and so critical for every functional area, as true today as it was then, but it was way ahead of its time then. Absolutely. And the second piece of advice also came from Jack, and it was written about in that book way back then. It was called Control Your Destiny or Someone Else Will. Do you remember that? Absolutely. (laughs) So the importance for me of this was the emphasis on the astonishing rate of change and the importance of staying ahead of the change curve by always finding better, more effective and productive ways of working. And that change acceleration mindset has been with me my entire career. It's ingrained in me the inclination to continually seek out improvements and best practices and have an outward mindset to understand the market and your competition, as well as learning new ways to accomplish goals, add value, and always stay solution-oriented. And I think it's that sort of that how you work and how no matter what situation you're thrown into, being able to kind of figure out where you need to go next and how to solve problems. I think all came from that early experience. Fantastic. And Lisa, is there something on your bucket list? I'm sure there's many things, but anything ahead that you'd still love to do life or career-wise? And you're quite an adventurer, so (laughs) (laughs) that one may be shorter, but what's ahead? Thanks, Mary. Yes, there's so much more that I want to do with my career. I First and foremost, I love being ahead of HR. And so I am absolutely looking to continue to stay in that type of work and have a chance to shape and drive positive change and run great companies. So I'll definitely be doing more of that. And in addition to that, I love this. This is sort of a new opportunity for me that I've been taking to do more external storytelling and getting on a bigger stage and talk about some of the learnings that I've had over my career. So I definitely have some thoughts around blogging and book writing and 
and some other ways to speak at conferences and share the story. But most importantly, I just love these exchanges like we're doing today to speak with others, to learn from their experiences, to compare notes, and then together try to shape a great and better world of work for everyone. Thank you so much. I love that, Lisa, because it is about sharing and learning and making what might be in a pocket of somebody's knowledge more transparent and just bringing it all to bear. Thank you so much, Lisa, overall for so many authentic and really helpful insights. It's so great to see you. It's so great to learn from you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mary. I really appreciate the invitation to be with you here today. As always, I love spending time together and I look forward to more of it. For more resources on this topic, visit us on modern-career.com and on social media at modern underscore career. We'll include all the sources noted in this episode in our show notes. Look forward to talking again very soon. Mm -hmm.